Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday and in nine days, and I'm going to try to do the uh, tefillah podcast now. As always, from uh, Mishpacha Stavansky sponsoring. And I mentioned the other day, uh, Mr. Vancey has asked me to, especially because the three weeks and nine days, to direct my thoughts to what is one daven for at this time, especially in Tisha above all the rest of it. And you know, a lot of ways of going with that, but um, especially in light of what I said yesterday with the Rokhanan Wasserman, I just want to jump right into it and say there's a lot of things involved with Tisha above, but. I do understand the concept that if somebody's doing well now, what do you need tissue? What do you need, you know, a geula for? But it so happens that um, I saw something yesterday and today uh, that sort of jumped out at me, and actually highlighted. It. One is happened to be looking at the Chos Alvavos, and he says something very interesting, which is as far as bitachon is concerned, because the Chos Alvavos has what you call the chapter in bitachon, Shara bitachon. And uh, I actually pulled out my Kapach edition, since I spoke about him the other day. He has the best uh, modern translation. And at the very beginning of Shah Ravi, at the beginning of the, of the uh, discussion of Bitochen, um, and he means, of course, Bitochen and Hashem. The reason I say that is, a rich person or a powerful person can say like this, I don't really need Hashem, <laughs> I'm doing okay myself. Listen, I'm not causing any trouble, you know. But direct your attention elsewhere. I'm doing okay. You know, that kind of uh, uh, emotional uh, reaction. Uh, Claw Yisrael could use a base amygdala, you know, but me, myself, and I, I'm doing okay. Uh, so the Chavaz the, the, says something uh, striking, and that is, Misha Botech Azulas Hashem, if someone is, has bitachan, is relying on something other than Hashem. So in other words, you know, this is a very from book, you know, obviously Chavaz HaVos. But if a person is like this, I need Hashem's help every second. I need Hashem's help every second. And the fact you helped me yesterday doesn't have nothing to do with the fact that I need you to help me today. That's supposed to be the right way. But anybody who relies on something other than that, then, I don't know how he knows it, but it's a good line. Then if a person relies on something else, then Hashem's like, it's okay. I won't give you Ashkacha Pratis, but instead, most of the initial of, I'll leave you in the hands of, the, of whoever, whoever it is or whatever it is they're relying upon. Suppose a person says, for example, I have two good friends and they give me a lot of money and we go back a long way. And therefore, I don't really have to daven every day, because Baruch Hashem, I'm okay. You understand? And these guys give me each. I'll make something up. You know, give me hundred grand a month. I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, two hundred grand a month, whatever number you want. Hashem said, "Oh, really? Okay. If you rely on them, I'll leave it up to them." And human beings are so constituted that there are vagaries in life, and one day it could happen that they say, "We're tired of doing this. 
or we took a loss, or we can't do any more, and you're now high and dry. You're now high and dry. You see, if the person would say to Hashem every day, keep it coming, you, God, keep it coming, that those two guys still, you know, give me a hundred grand every week, or a month, whatever, then you're saying Hashem should do it. They're just the tools. But if you're saying I'm relying on them, which is a normal human reaction, if I have a friend, and the friend does me a favor, I'm, I'm grateful to the friend. I'm not grateful to the friend, I'm grateful to Hashem. Now, human courtesy is they should be, you know, because you should cultivate the meter of Hakar Satov, not to be a Shmo, so you should be grateful to the friend. But really, it's, you know, God. So basically, it's like a person says, I need a raise. It's not like I should think of a hundred stratagems how to approach the boss, all the rest of it. The person is rather say, Hashem, make things happen. Make all the cards fall in the right place, and therefore it'll, therefore it'll happen. That's what he means. Uh, otherwise, you're in the hands of them. So somebody who believes in Trump, for example, well, he, he's changeable. You know, as he says, And so Donald might like it today and not tomorrow. That, that, that happens. Now, I'm not picking on Trump particularly. It could be anybody else. I just see, for example, you know, person could say, I'm relying on this politician. I don't think we're all that stupid anymore, but you know, what are you relying on a politician? They don't change their minds when it suits them? Yeah, so who, who, who are you kidding? So when a person's like this, we already have a state of Israel, we already have this, we have that and the other, and things are working out okay. Hashem so really? If I didn't if I didn't keep Hashkacha Pratis on Medinat Israel, then they would have fallen apart a long time ago. Because just anybody, and this is a very much a tissue above word, but the rest of the year also, if you follow international affairs to any degree, this is my belief anyway, and that's all I can share on my podcast. If you follow international events to any degree, and you're Judeo-centric or Israelio-centric, you can see, I'm convinced, personally, that you can see how all these things kind of fit in a way to help out uh, Medina Israel, or the Jews there, whatever you want to put it, which under ordinary circumstances would happen. That's why I said, I don't. My personal philosophy is that when you look at international events, particularly, and you see something out of the ordinary, keep your eye on that ball, because it's going to impact Israel, hopefully in a good way. Love Davka. I hope, God forbid, it could be in a bad way, but you hope it'll be a good way. So, for example, off the top of my head, if Putin out of nowhere decided to attack Ukraine. And the war's been going for a long time. When it started, people said, what the heck just happened over here? You know, there was no war, and all of a sudden they decided to make a war. It's going to impact Israel somehow or other. You can see it could impact Israel positive, it could impact Israel negative. You have to daven, that's where the Chavos Elohim means, you have to daven, keep your hashkacha there, O Lord, and make it impact in a positive way. Or if you want to know, Pelosi went to Taiwan, I'm not even following that story. You could possibly have some kind of clash of one sort or another. Lav Dafka, an armed clash, I hope not, uh, you know, that could uh, blow the thing up. And she just is something she decided to do. And again, how will that impact Israel? Maybe impact the elections? I don't know. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? So this idea, on the nine days particularly, means that one way of looking at this is that the Jews way back when uh, lost the Hashkacha protest. The language that the Talmud likes to use is a mystical language. The Shechina withdrew. Right? It's Talak Okay? 
the reason was because of the sin which means not that they didn't like each other, but there was a civil war, and the Jews killed each other in masses. I've spoken about that in the past, and just Google Josephus on my head. Tons and tons of Jews were killed by other Jews in horrible ways. In horrible ways. So that caused the Silkashchina. And then I leave it up to the thing. How does he put it over here? So in other words, you guys think you can handle the Roman army? Try your luck. That is what happened in the end. If you know this story, the Jews gave it their best shot. They had a few victories, if you want to call it that, over the Romans here and there. But Vedera Claw didn't stand a chance. And the Romans eventually, methodically, overwhelmed them and destroyed everything. That's the story. Now, they were convinced in their righteous anger, they were self-righteous, they were convinced that they were doing the right thing, and they do, would not believe that their conduct was causing the Shekhinah withdrawal from them. And therefore they said, and it's the only explanation, they continued the battle of the Romans, convinced that God will um, throw a miracle at the end. Because after all, consider well, now we're in the middle of nine days, the three weeks. I explained a couple weeks ago, if you know at all what happened, there was a Harabais, and on top of the Harabais is the base of Migdash, plus a lot of other land. Right, The base of Migdash is not composed the entirety of the Harabais. The Romans broke into the Harabais, Oh, and Shavasa Thomas. They battled for three weeks. So what the heck was the Jewish plan? Meanwhile, the Romans, by this time, had conquered all of Israel. The Galil, Judea, the whole nine yards. Right, Ebrayarnin. And that's the story of the War of the Romans. Vespasian. Uh, but then they uh, surrounded Jerusalem. So what was the thinking that Jerusalem alone will be able to hold out when the rest of the country fell to the Romans? But then they captured Jerusalem and they were down to the higher bias. So what's the plan then? And now you're in a higher bias and it's like the nine days, you know? So the Romans are all over the place and the fight is on the higher bias to prevent the Romans from breaking in goof into the base of the buildings itself. So exactly like what's the military plan? You see, now you're down to the one yard line. The other side is taking 99 yards. What is the plan? Right? But they didn't agree with me because they continue, you know, and I know, they continue to fight. The rabbis, like, uh, what's the name? Yochum and Zakai, who probably, it's possible, I repeat, possible, that at the beginning he was in favor of the rebellion. That's a very complicated subject having to do with history. But certainly at a certain point, he had common sense and he saw at a certain point, he said, this ain't going to work. Right? That's why he counseled surrender, uh, come to terms with the Romans, and you know he couldn't do it. They would kill him if he said it. But at a certain point, he said, listen, no use continuing to play this business out if, if it's not going to end well. Uh, as you know, they wouldn't kill him. They wouldn't just even stab his body, as you know. Uh, and so that whole business didn't work out. So the answer is, they didn't think they were going to be able to win B'der HaTeva, but they were convinced the zealots, the Iberionim, were convinced that they'll win Shlokiter HaTevo. So in other words, they'll get the Shechina, which protects the base of Migdash, and at the last minute, like in the book of Daniel, I don't know, some lightning bolt will come out from somewhere, something like that, and wipe out the Romans. And then the Jews will say, see, you of little faith, but we have faith all the time, and we knew that when the one-yard line, that's when the nace will happen, and everything will go great. Well, they were wrong. Uh... Looking back in, 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 in retrospect, of course they're wrong. If you're killing each other by buckets, you really think the Shekhinah is going to be there? So my point is, 
that this, the, the weakness of the Jews was their obtuseness of not understanding the consequences of the disunity that their violent actions provoked. That's like the religious way of looking at it. Now, um, but they didn't see it that way, and that led to this according the total structure of of English. So if we're dominating now, I don't care if you can afford a nice apartment or a chavi or something like that. That's got nothing to do with the fact uh, Jewish people up the creek, and we don't really have a chance to survive in this world of shivim ze'evim uh, without ashkocha pratis. And you can't say America backs Israel or something like that. Das Alain is Ashkacha Pratis. It doesn't make any sense that if you think about it strategically, that the U.S. should continue to support Israel. And you see already whole segments of the politicians, the left-wing Democrats, are already going in that direction. And you even see whole segments of the Jewish people, the young people with the BDS, are going in that direction. Now, that's pretty bad, because if we lose actors among our own, that caught, that alone, we believe, causes the Shechina to depart. And Jewish people cannot survive as a people, uh, you know, without Dashkacha Pratis. That, I think, is like a major theme of Tishabov. And therefore, what you're dominating for, uh, in my opinion, dominating for is like this bring back the base of Mish, and this time let's not screw it up. Because, as I've said here many times on this, if God brought the base of Mish tomorrow, it'd be no good. Because everybody's fighting with each other and disagreeing with each other. The violence, even among the from, among the from, the violence, even among the Haredim, as you know, when you follow, just look at Yeshiva world, it wasn't that, you know, the latest group that got beat up by this one and that one. The latest thing among the from, I mean, the, what they, didn't they try to beat up Sternbuch the other day or Sternbuch? Something like that, right? I mean, this, this is what you're talking about. I don't know if you remember, when Rukhan Kanievsky died, he had had some kind of bodyguard situation because, do you remember this? Because he came out sooner or later in favor of getting shot, I think. The vax. And there were anti-vaxxers that, that wrote him letters and threatened him. Which boggles the mind, but it doesn't really. If you know the story of Yochum and Zakai, you know, they wanted to kill him too. Remember? Yom uh, Rabban and Dokro. So the mentality of the zealotry, which, which, which justifies and promotes this kind of this unity, particularly in the violent sense, is like a guarantee for the Shechina to go away. Now, if the Shechina goes away, that's a euphemism. It's not to t- be taken physically. It's a euphemism for uh, removal of Hashkocha, of a divine uh, protection. And the Jews cannot survive without that, because I'll tell you the truth. We're not so righteous in our behavior that, you know, people will leave us alone if we were if we didn't have we have our problems and there's a lot of things we do to turn people off if you want to be honest about it and the firm are the worst at the worst and uh, if if you don't have special you know uh, uh, then all that resentment would, would come to a boil which is nothing but what Hitler did I mean that's all he did he just took what was there from from uh, I mean I don't want to go and detail this but there was a lot of bad stuff going on in Europe, and he, among the Jews, I'm what they were doing, he was able to crystallize this and turn it into a focused movement, laser-like, that was able to inflict such terrible destruction on the Jews. I mean, that, that's what happened. So basically, when you had the Ashkocha, one thing or another prevented from happening, 
Otherwise not. A person who says, I don't like all this mysticism business, in my opinion, is an ostrich living with his head in the sand. You know, you don't have to be a, a magic person, but the basic hashkoch I'm talking about seems to me, me to be a basic theme of the Jewish history and, and the basic survival uh, tool. Okay? Now, you know, you don't have to be super righteous, but there's a difference between this kind of disunity that I'm talking about versus the other. In my opinion, uh, this is how you read the two brachas in the Shemun Esrei, um, which to some degree, you know, seem to be uh, talking about the same thing. What does that mean? What means you want the Shechina to be in Jerusalem. So that already presupposes that it's possible to have Yerushalayim you can have Yerushalayim but not without Sishkom Vesel Kashi You can have Yerushalayim without a Shechina. Yerushalayim without a Shechina is a dangerous business. You understand? Because it'll fall apart. And we even say over there V'chisi David Abdelhameyo Socha Tafin uh, what do those words mean? And then you follow it with a semach David. That's my point. You say, say then you say a semach David. It's repetitive, isn't it? Talking about the the Mashiach, the the, the Malchus and the Mashiach. So what's what's going on? say David so talking. O Lord, prepare the throne of thy servant David. What does that mean, prepare the throne? You don't mean physically, you don't dab Hashem should take out two hands and build a, a chair. So what does it mean? It means, I think, it means, uh, bring about the uh, hachana. Notice, I want you to prepare. So, notice, the hachana is bring about, as only divine providence can do, a unity among the Jews that they should agree who the Mashiach is. They should agree to the Malchus David, because otherwise everybody will claim to be the thing. You'll have civil wars between two different contenders or more. Right? And then, once you get everybody to agree on the candidate of who the Malchus David guy is, the Mashiach, then, then all, let all the glory flow. You know, you have to understand, they couldn't write in the Shemun Esrei explicitly, we pray for our own Medina. Because that would sound, that would tick off the Goyim. So they had to use euphemisms. That's why it doesn't say, Oh Lord, restore the Davidic kingdom. It it's flowery language, biblical language, but everybody cops what it means. You understand? Now, this is no joke. It's not, let's put it this way. Tisha B'av was the antithesis of There was no unity. There were basically three separate Jewish militias, as they call them, in ancient Jerusalem at the time of the, of the war. And they all fought each other. And they killed each other, you know, down to the time that the Romans were battering against the temple itself, I believe it was. In other words, only when they were fighting the Harabites that they stopped fighting each other. And I can tell you right now, if you follow the stories closely, had the Romans, for whatever reason, withdrew and been defeated, I hate to say this, the Jews would have started fighting with each other again. Uh, the leader, Eleazar, was killed by the other guys. We all know the story of the Gemara that they burned each other's um, warehouses. Uh, you know, I mean, we know all this. Okay? So this is something that um, you're praying for uh, the Achtas not to uh, do it again. Because otherwise, you could rebuild the base of Miksha, and who says that'll be the last one? That'll be destroyed also. I told you yesterday, B'chon Wasserman liked to quote a uh, 
Very interesting. Sefer Hasidim. I pulled out my rusty, trusty Sefer Hasidim here, the one I have with the kudos. It's actually very good. It has a nice little commentary at the bottom called Hadar Hasidim. I don't know who put it out. It's one volume. I picked this up in Israel. You should see it. I have it marked up like crazy. Years ago, I went through it and highlighted this and that and the other. And because Sefer Hasidim is fascinating. One of the things he says is as follows. If you see the house of a tzaddik, or a synagogue that's charev, or or now you have Rishayim there, and let me tell you, go to Italy, and you'll see houses, once upon a time were shoals or Spain, and now they're not shoals anymore. They're, the church is in Moscow, who knows what. And they can show you houses like in Morocco where the Rambam lived, and now it's not. Rishayim, why? She Yisrael, da, you should know, the Jews behaved there in a bizarre way. Okay? Like I said before, if you want to be very firm about it, they, uh, you know, they talked in shul or they uh, told uh, vulgar things or, I don't know, you know whatever, use your imagination. Unfortunately, nowadays you don't have to use your imagination. It happens all the time. So, you see a shul, the place used to be a shul. Now, isn't it true the whole America is full of that? Right? Isn't it true the whole America is full day? Go to any city and drive downtown. You see a hundred shuls? Not anymore, but they were then. I'm sorry, base Hamedrish. You see a, a, a base Medrish. It's Kalazrosh. Sofo Nofel be And it's going to end up there. By the way, I want to do a trip if I'm able to pull this off uh, later in 2023 sometimes to to uh, Western Germany and France, Ashkenaz. That's a plan I have. Meanwhile, I hope to do a trip in Israel in January. But later in the year, possibly, uh, to that. And one of the places, I've never been in France, and one of the places I have in my mind the itinerary is in Rouen, in Normandy. And you can see a base medrash, now it's like a French church or something like that. And it was the original building of one of the Balitosas. Because there's a Tosafist Yeshiva once upon a time in Rouen, in Normandy. Matter of fact, I remember that the um, Rabbeinu Yona learned there. So, Sofal de Arelem. Dayo Le'evet Shehekarabo. Right? And the idea is, Dayo Le'evet Shehekarabo. That the Evet, in other words, the, the Arelem, want to be like this one. Kilonogu. Uh, what a statement. What this is saying is, if you look in society, and again, you know, you can dom for this, I do, but we can't control it now. If there's bad stuff that happens among the Arelim, it started, these bad Hanhagas start among Jews. There's a lot of truth to that. I don't want to go into details on a podcast. There's a lot of truth to that. If you look in societal trends, social trends, whatever, lo nogu nochrim kalos rosh will be zayim based Hashem ad shenogu be yisrael biach kachur der liolam lo yasa arelim ra elam kin yasa yisrael tchila ra benayim zevizeh and you won't find the geisha thing doing bad until you see the Jews did it to each other, to each other. But like Zbazu told me to chachamim, and you won't find that. Rabbanim will lose respect in the eyes of the Goyim. 
unless they see one rabbi diss another, or one Tamachacham diss another Tamachacham, or to be more modern, one Rebbe uh, diss another Rebbe, okay? Or a Chassid from uh, Group A to diss a to, to Rebbe from Group B. O Mavazin is a Torah, but ain't Mochim B'yadam. You see this without a Machor, it's there. Now, the, the guy at the bottom says, it's a Gemara in Yuvamas. So you guys, a lot of you listening do the Daf Yomi, and recently they just finished Yuvamas, and you'll perhaps recall this uh, Gemara, which says it was a Maisa, but based Knesset in Tiberia, Shecholku Sefer Terbechamosan, two of the Rabbonim, the Tanoim, Tanoim, were arguing over something had to do with um, uh, Binyan on Shabbos, whatever it was, and in their... You know, and they were like t- screaming at each other, you know, like certain chavrusas. In my day, I've had these types of chavrusas. They screamed, they banged the table, all the rest of it. Couldn't stand it. But you know how life is. If you're in yeshiva, sometimes circumstances may lead to it that you need this guy as a chavrusa, even though he's a screamer and a jerk. Uh, that's part of life. And uh, anyway, and they, anyway, the bottom line is each one was holding on to a piece of a safer Torah, or a safer, like we say today. <coughs> And was pulling it, not on purpose, but in their anger, and the tore the tore apart. And Rabbi Yochanan said, "This this place won't they going to be a church? You see, because if they could get in anger, now we said, what do you mean? It's risk of I thought that's good, screaming and banging, but not to that point, not to that degree. If they got so angry, it means they really got angry at each other. That's already not uh, playing according to Hoyle." I mean, I can feel very strongly. I can hold that my shot is correct. And you can be very strong and hold your shot is correct. I mean, we've all seen that. But if it gets to the point where I say, damn you, you won't even agree I'm right. There's something, you know, you're, you're stupid, you're an idiot. Uh, that's already, you're already talking about, um, you know, kind of a sin of sin of sin or contempt or whatever you want to call it. And the shechina departs. And the uh, effect of the Shechina departing is this building is no longer under any kind of protection. You know, we're learning today all the shuls have to have full-time guards. Usually, you didn't need to have guards. So, you, you know, you call it, well, society was different. That's called Ashkacha Pratis. You understand? That's called Mesal Shechinosa or not Mesal Shechinosa. So these are all themes that strikes to me um, that are very powerful in um, the Tishva period. And the one that strikes me the most powerfully, if you're thinking about it, in my opinion, is here I am on, on, on the week of nine days of Tisha B'Av, and we and we have all these prayers we're warning the past, but I don't think we think through the consequences of that. Uh, and the consequences are, you know, do we have, do we have any kind of achdus? And let me put it this way: What do I do to help the achdus out? Now, you know. The HR said, I guess, you can't do nothing, so don't even try. I get that. But everyone has to find some way on Tishabov time to think, can I move the ball forward a little bit? Because if we don't, then these idiots are going to take us down. These religious zealots are going to take everybody down. They don't care about anything else. They care only about, you know, letting out their own anger or, you know, carrying through their own business. And once they get hooked in an idea... They can even stab you from Hezakai. I mean, that's the story. You see? So really, it's very depressing. Not the thinking of the old base of Megish. What's depressing is what I said, which is, if the base of Megish came back tomorrow, miraculously, uh, if you have another Trump, and he says, the United States recognizes 
They can knock down the mosque and build a base of Mejana, something like that. New. No. So what would happen? That's depressing. Right? That's depressing. If we lived long ago, one would like to think, if we lived 200 years ago, 300 years ago, so you had major gedolim of the type that, you know, if they say, oh, they're letting us build a base of Mejana, we'll do it. Let's just say for a second, let's pretend that Shabtai see was a real thing. And let's say the Turks said, we'll give you Yerushalayim, Eretz Yisrael. At that time, I would like to think that Jews were sufficiently religious and sufficiently focused on the larger picture. They would have all run and moved to Israel and, you know, would have made a go of it. Now, Shabtai see turned out to be a fake, but I'm saying, what if? Uh, today, it's so fractionated, so ridiculous that uh, the bad guys would immediately come to the forefront within the from world, not the non-from world, and would take over, and then what would happen? These are uh, big themes over there. So when you say, in my opinion, you're praying, uh, bring it about, O Lord, which only you can bring about. By that I mean, this is a cynical statement, the Jews cannot do it on their own. <laughs> you see? I mean, we have thousands of years we show, theoretically you can do it on, it's not going to happen on your own. But Hashem can make it, the spirit of Octus comes out, provided they don't screw it up. We're told, I think the Ramchal says this, that the reason they built the Tower of Bavel is, by he called it that Hashem introduced the spirit of Octus into the human race, they just misused it to build the Tower of Bavel. But we don't even have the Ruch Octus at all. And you can't have any Geula without the Octus. And you can't have a gula without the what we call the shechina stuff, and it's not googie googie, you know. The Rambam agrees with this too. Uh, you can't have without it, and uh, for us to think that we can do it literally on our own, you know, two feet is ridiculous. There was a time long ago when people really thought, and I'm not giving a frummy speech over here. <laughs> you know, now that we have in Israel, we have our own power, so uh, we can handle it on our own. The state of Israel has learned long ago they can't breathe without America and this stuff backing them. You understand? They're under no illusions about that anymore. Um, and that's not good, but it's the way it is. And all of which means that it's a manifestation in my analysis that uh, Israel can't get along for a second without Ashkacha. Just like you and I can't get along for a second without our lungs functioning pros- uh, uh, you know, properly. I think, personally, I don't care what your situation is among Jewish people. That's kind of important, no matter where it is. And it's a little bit depressing when you look at the survey the scene. But if we don't recognize the problem, obviously we can't even begin to think about solving the problem. The number one problem you have in life are the problems you don't even think about. Anyway, I just want to get that off my chest. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the dominant that we're going to be facing this coming weekend. And... Uh, with that, I wish everybody a good week, a good Shabbos. I want to thank always, as always, Mishpacha Sivinsky for sustaining this uh, um, podcast. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.